Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Hearty Dice Friends. I, as ever, am Grant Howitt and I'm joined by my very best friend in the whole world, Christopher Taylor. Say hello, Christopher. Hello. We've been off. We have. We've been on holiday. For a while. We went on holiday. And also, we've been ill. Yeah. But now, um, only one of us... Well, I guess we're both still ill and on holiday, but we've managed to get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have re-coalesced. I am I'm recording from a guest house in Keswick where I've spent the last week with my uh, with my wife's family and I guess my family because they are my wife's family and Chris is still from his hot little room. Mhm. Mm. It's hot dusty little room. It is indeed. In West Sussex. But we're here, we're back. We had a lovely holiday. We took we took 2 weeks off officially. Uh we went to what was the name of the town we went to? Aldington. Aldington. Um, a a town so small that the post office, I think, was very much the hub of activity. Yes, yes, they, there was not uh, a lot in that village. No, this uh, is, this is, this is from a person who lives pub. in a village. Yeah, it's true. Like there, there was a pub nearby. Yes, I think there was a lot of people who lived there who worked somewhere else. Yeah, but we went there. There were some goats. We hung out with the goats. There, there was were one red goats. Yes, there, there was two older goats who were who, who were imperial. Uh, imperial? <laughs> the others were rebels. They were royal blood. Uh, no, they, they, they were imperious and calm. And there was there was a younger white skittish goat that I fell for. And there was one which just every time it saw Chris or me or like some enroll past, it would immediately start running headfirst into the fence. Which I respect. And Chris fell in love with that goat. He w- <laughs> he was a chancer. <laughs> like he would have killed us if he if he had the opportunity, and yes, I respect and that. In a goat. Corpses. Yeah, for sure. But we're back. We are we are ready to record, and we are. Well, let's do it. I let's want do you, that Christopher. Thing. Yeah, let's do that thing. It's episode fifty-five. Man alive. All the fives. Fifty-five. Bring me a question on a silver platter, and a, we'll see what a happens. Bingo-related question. Um. Yeah, a bingo-related question. No, we have no bingo-related questions. We'll make one up. Never. Oh, Not right. when we have so many good ones supplied. Yeah, that's true. Reddit's done really well this week. It has. I think we, we, we gave them a month off to avoid them from growing fallow. And they started putting more question marks in. On the subject of Reddit, by the way, we're Game of the Month. Yes, we are. Which is rather exciting. Well done, We us. made it. Yeah, uh, Spire got Game of the Month thanks to uh, user Yugdol. Who I assume is a dwarf or some kind of deep kin. <laughs> but we are we are Reddit's favourite game of the month, and you'd be pleased to hear we've sold a whole four extra copies of the game. Who boy? <laughs> Hoolay! <laughs> now, you, I mean, we've, also, we've got a lot more downloads of the free content, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, thank you, and we really hope that more people uh, pick it up. Anyway, Chris, give me some questions. I'll give you a question. Mm. Why do you play RPGs in particular? By instant in, Chan, in particular, yes. Hmm. What? I'm trying to work out what the other. Like, why do you play RPGs in general? <laughs> why? Why do you play question, RPGs right? rather than video games, rather than board uh, games? Okay, right. Uh, I play video games rather than board games because I don't like rules that much. <laughs> From an RPG rules writer. Yeah, well, shit, man, you've, you've, you've read my games. Yeah, no, that is fair. <laughs> you've, you've written my games. <laughs> they are rules light. 
yeah, I don't. I, that's the thing. But anyway, I don't like. I don't like the idea of uh, rules which are a contest. So like, oh, I know the rules better than you, so I'm going to win. I find that in, that's why I can't play magic. Or, by the way, as my nephew calls it, posh snap. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half thousand pound deck of snap. That's very posh snap. I yeah, I play it because I like I like telling stories. I think and I like primarily I like nerds. I am a nerd and I have problems coming up with excuses to see people regularly. So if we (laughs) can pretend to be elves, well then I have. But then I have to sort of have like a battle of wits against them, or they have to see how bad I am at pandemic. So it's the cooperative nature. Yeah, we just all sort of hang out. It's it's a bit like like imagine like we're all coming around and sitting around the fire, and I'm breaking up the guitar, and it's all like "Come by, my lord, come by," but not shit. <laughs> why why do you play video not video games? Uh, TTRPGs. TTRPG. That's so TTRPGs. Cute. Um, I think it's because I don't like the strictures that board games and video games place on you. Hmm. Like, I mean, you do play a lot of video games. I do play a lot of video games, but that's because I can't yeah. get a group together half the time. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, RPGs give you that freedom that the rules and vocabulary of a computer game don't. Yeah, they, like, they, 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 they trust you. Yeah, because when you're, when you're playing a game, so often you come up against something like, well, why can't I do this this way? Why mm. can't I get across this gap by doing this, what's this, this special thing? Yeah, and in a in an RPG, you can at least attempt that. Yeah, there's like there's no parts of the world which aren't filled in. You're not going to start bumping into invisible walls. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it depends on the GM, but yeah. Yes, but there's that that sense of freedom um, and that sense of creativity that you don't get yeah. when you're working through the puzzle that is a video game. How do I yeah. use the tools that I have to complete this, rather than what tools can I make? Yeah, I think that like the a, a lot of the like, I, I get a lot of fun from emergence, like emergent play, which is something which like all role player games are really. They're all basically emergent, but within within um, within video games, you're looking at taking like understanding mechanics and how those mechanics combine to create interesting outcomes. Yeah, rather than having ideas and combining those and concepts, which you can do in role playing. Yeah, and like, there's never that thing of in board games where you suddenly realise you've got a rule wrong and you kind of wind play backwards. I remember, I remember. Uh, you set up in our very first, in our very first year of university. You, this, this was when D and D was in the three three point fifth edition, and you set up a fight club for D and D. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was great fun. Um, and we uh, basically you had you had a points buy to make a character, and you had a. a the gold pieces to buy equipment, and you would turn up and fight one another. And I remember uh, I had a I had a half giant. Uh, I think it was a half giant, a half ogre, like the psychic race. Okay. Um, and my whole deal was I had a spike chain because you know I was I was nineteen, whatever. Uh, and my whole deal was that I I made my character as big as humanly possible, and then tore people in half, <laughs> or, or, or hit them with a spike chain, which at that point could have tied up a, like an ocean liner. Yeah. And um, I remember um, I did, I did, um, I increased my size, which meant I increased my damage, but I forgot to say I increased my damage. I just saw that it increased my strength on on the hit roll. And the guy I was dueling, a guy called Paul, uh, I said, oh, by the way, I forgot to do that last round. So can uh, can you apply that? Can you apply those uh, those two hit points that, that, that I would I would have taken off you last round? No, nope, we'll do it next round. 
Sorry, what? No, should should have said. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, okay, cool. I'm not playing anymore. Bye. And just <laughs> and, and just conceded because at that point it, it was it was like it, that that was him that was him knowing the rules better or me yeah. not knowing the rules well enough. It's yeah, like, it, oh, was, it was a board game. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a board game. But I, I seem to remember like we had. Um, there was like like the winner was a guy was was a wizard who just took the flight spell and hovered at the top of the arena because no one bothered to bring missile weapons. <laughs> yeah, just throwing rocks down at people. Yeah, I think one guy bought a horse. I think there was a couple of charges. Yeah, he had a horse, which is like which is like I think the argument was well, okay, if you if you've got a horse, I've hired twenty men. <laughs> yeah, there's sixty <laughs> Where does it of stop? us. What you're gonna do? Yeah, I've bribed the dungeon owner. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and that's the thing. I think that was that's kind of an interesting uh, thing to like to come back to when you treat a tabletop role playing game, which is supposed to be fuzzy around the edges and have a games master as a as a war game, as a as a competitive board game. When like the the edge cases really start to become developed, yeah, and they become the core of the game. Yeah, wasn't there a three point five like actual war game they released? Yeah, it was I don't like know. a like a why not have fights? I remember borrowing a couple of your, your dragon magazines. They were talking about it. Possibly. I actually don't anyway, remember. I'm going to ask you a question. Do it. My question. This question comes in from the Hearty Dice Discord. Zenton asks, "What would a time travel RPG need to be fun for you?" Uh, a very long section explaining how causality works. Really? Because I don't know. Well, I don't think I don't look. I think that time travel is so hard that it has defeated some of the greatest minds humanity has. And we ain't them. No. That's you just know, with I, us. I can barely put my shoes on the right feet. And so I think that I think that for me, a time travel RPG needs to be fun for me, is it needs to have kind of the rule of cool in there, in the in the whatever whatever seems to be most interesting. I think I think what I'd rather have is you have a time stat, and then you roll that time stat to try and do a time thing, and it, it, and if you succeed, time travel works this way now. <laughs> Otherwise, time breaks. Yeah, or or like oh, it, it just doesn't function. But like, um, there's a I forget the name of it. Um, there's there's there's, 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 there's like, tempest and time. Yeah, I forget the name. Um, but it had it had um. It, it, you, you played temps sent back in time because if they picked someone who was important, it would it, it would disrupt the time flow. <laughs> so, that, so so they pick people who have such uh, have the smallest possible impact on, on on the human world, which is temps. And as a as a temp myself, uh, back in the day, I can say that that's true. But uh, that had that had certain things like you could um, like as, as a special attack, you could summon versions of yourself from the future to come and punch the guy. That's and nice, like, kind of going the the superhero route with it. Yeah, precisely. Um, I, I think that I think it's it's much more fun to keep it fluid and keep it like. Well, let's just think of it in terms of bonuses. Like shit, we wrote a time travel game. We did. We wrote uh, last Christmas, which is about uh, saving Christmas from uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, your, it was indistinct your, what you were saving it from. Your three ghosts, Scrooge dies. And because Scrooge dies, the world ends. So you have you have to travel back and forth in time. But I think I think by having three, like we had we had Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future, and there was no other times you could go to. So I think it was pretty clear, yeah, like what you could affect. Yeah, there was I a set number was, of scenes essentially. 
I hear it, it was somewhere between genius and unplayable, but not good. <laughs> That's what I heard from playtest reports. <laughs> like, it's not a game which, which relies too heavily on the rules. Let's no. put it that way. I, I've, I've not found out. I've not found out the time travel game that I want. I think that you have to treat it with, like, you have to have it as separate from the mechanics of the game and have it as something which is fun to do. Yeah. And uh, and like a bit like a bit like magic rules, you know, like yeah, saying like, how like paradox in mage and things like that. I want to tell the listeners a quick story about our first live mage game. Please do. So we decided. Um, have, have we talked about Team Templar on here before? I don't think we have actually. Okay, so um, this this is going to be me talking about talking about my twelfth level paladin for a bit, listeners. But take it from me; it's not quite as bad as all that. <laughs> so we were in this is back when we were at university, and there was a mage game, a mage live game, Mage the Apocalypse, I think it was called. It was post-apocalyptic mage, and it'd been running for bloody years. And so there were all these massive power players involved in the game, some of whom didn't even bother showing up to the games and just played in downtimes. And I decided that I wanted to play mage, but I also decided that I didn't want to fuck about with having to sort of beg and scrape for the scraps that these guys left behind. So I was like, okay, so. How many hit points does a mage have? Well, a mage has seven hit points. And how many damage does a gun do? Well, a gun does two damage. Okay, so I need to shoot someone four times before they do anything. So I basically recruited three friends. uh, Just two of whom were Chris. One of whom was Chris. (laughs) There was Chris, my now partner, Mary, and my... And Hannah, who was our bemused housemate, who, who, who played a mute character and did an awful lot of... an awful lot of smirking. Yep. And the very first thing we did upon finding a vampire was in the was, was in the major's court. Is we all pulled, and this is like three minutes after we started playing the game. Yeah, we all, all pulled guns games. on him at once uh, and demanded to know why he was here and why we shouldn't immediately murder him. And so, and that was quite good fun because, like, For it us. just let us. Sorry. For us. Yeah, and also, like, listen. Actually, just for us. Um, I think some people saw us as a blunt instrument, which could be used. Yeah. But that, but ah, but you see, I was leading us, so we were not effective. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, uh, like Mary did quite a lot of good stuff. Like she, she did, she did quite a lot of diplomacy. I mainly shouted and stuff. Um, but uh, we were, we were beating up some zombies, and Chris decided that because, because we were playing choristers, um, effectively, one of the uh, one of the one of the magic powers they get is they can imbue weapons with something called prime energy, which means they do the most the, the, the heaviest damage possible. They do aggravated damage, and so Chris enchanted all of our weapons with prime, and we were mashing up these zombies outside Norwich Castle. Um, I mean, sorry, we were in a lightless sports hall, pretending it was outside Norwich yeah. Castle, and we mashed up all these zombies. And then uh, one of the refs came over and said, "Oh, by the way, have you been taking paradox? Because every time you, uh, every time one of these guys hits with this, uh, that's kind of that's kind of a, almost like a wound on reality. So your paradox is going to mount up. How many times have they hit it? Oh, about thirty times, I say. All oh, right, you explode. And that was that was the first and last game that Chris ever played with Mage. He never yep. came back. <laughs> you just you, you detonated." Yep. At the end, uh, I, and and there there was a certain amount of there was almost a smile on your face as you realised you'd never have to come back and do it again. <laughs> I was so pleased. <laughs> you lazy bastard! Yeah, yeah. No, um, live games are not for me. No, God, no. Um, I mean, if I'm, if we cut our teeth doing live games as well. Sorry, yeah. I mean, talking live games. 
Oh, like, oh, hello, I'm a vampire. Are you a yeah. vampire? Can we be friends? Well, not really, but let's find out. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not down with that. No, I just, like, it's... It just seems like you're, you're spending so much time getting to the fun part of the game. Yeah, not just that, but, like, um, as an introvert, mm. like, replicating social encounters oh my days, yeah. is incredibly difficult when you can't handle normal social encounters. That's true, and also there's a lot of standing. Yeah. Like, like you didn't get into this hobby to stand up. No. I got, I, got, I got into it to sit down and talk with my friends about elves. Ask me a question. I'll ask you a question. Mm. Uh, Huey Tonto asks, what's a mm-hmm. better landscape base for a game? The sun or the moon? Okay. So. I think the sun might do damage. I've heard it can get a little warm. Maybe if you went at night, it might be different. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's cooler then. Yeah, you go at night when it... Um, Darker wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if it like cooled down and it was, it was, it was like volcanic rock? Like, that'd be kind of rad. I mean, all life would die. Well, I mean, only life on that half of the planet. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> that's true. I assume they, I assume just, they have another sun. Yeah, I assume they have another sun. Or maybe there's like a dark side of the sun, like the side that we don't need. <laughs> Wait, no, hang on. Hang on, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> sun. Yeah, never my strong point. Um, I think that setting things on the moon is fine, but it's totally played out. It's also like, like, there's nothing on the moon. Well, it's not a great deal on the sun, mate. <laughs> and like, it's the thing, you don't know that. Have text- you even been there? There's texture on the moon. Yeah, I mean, one is a one is a gaseous ball. Yeah, like like you could go say dustboarding on the moon. You could, or like like you could set up a little house in a crater. You could, you know, you could put stuff on the moon. You could draw dicks in the in the in the dust and have it stay oh, there for my- generations. Oh, that'd be great. Can we do that? No, we can't do that. But Oh come on, you know those astronauts did it. It would have shown up by now. I mean I think like I think they got they they got the Mars rover to maybe draw something which like as it turned out looked quite a lot like a cock. Yeah. But it wasn't like it was just like a like a like a normal route. Like I think we should set a game on the sun. And I'm trying to work out how we could set a game on the sun. I don't know, I you can kind of do like Solar wakeboarding. I mean, that's pretty rad, right? Yeah. Or like, um, like ships, ships which are sunproof. Well, I mean, that's like, kind of the plot of Sunshine. Kind of. Like, do they have to restart the sun? Is that the plot? Of sun? I can't sun, remember. Sunshine? I just yeah. remember them going a bit mental. What about really good sunblock? <laughs> like from SPF two thousand. SPF X. That's just tar, isn't it? <laughs> SPF Infinity, and you put it on, and it's like it's, it's it's an alien technology which lets us hang out on the sun. Now, I imagine you just sort of fall in. Yep, would be the issue. So you'd need to have cities built above the sun. And yeah, you just kind have... of surfing solar flares. Yeah, you know, like 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 surfing like sun elves. Maybe you could you could have like wizards who are who are okay with it. Elves can do most things. Yeah, you can always so just you... get a new subclass of elf. Yeah, look, like you can just keep digging. There's hundreds of subclasses <laughs> of elf. There's like there's nowhere elves haven't been. But you dirty little buggers. But you get um you get like like beautiful elven solar ships made out of gold. 
which yep. I presume they got from somewhere which wasn't the fucking sun. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of building materials on the old sun. Uh, yes, we've made it out of more sun. How does that work? <laughs> Elves. It's Ugh. very warm. <laughs> we magicked it up. How did you write down the spells? Don't know. Uh, sun paper. Sun paper. It's very bright. <laughs> How, 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 how do you how do you protect your eyes? We have these sunglasses. What are they made out of? Well, <laughs> only one building material around these parts. <laughs> sun. What's for dinner? Sun. <laughs> Starts to get very dangerous. So, so like this is the thing, and, and also like it's quite big and it's quite far away from things. So I think you'd have problems like getting stuff there. Yeah, it's a fairly short Portals? round trip for Mercury. Portals. And I assume, like, if you can live on the sun, you've probably got, like, FDL technology down. Yeah. So you could, you could bamf around, or just, like, like you, like, you have your golden solar ships, and you turn them upwards and open up their umbrella bottoms, and they collect up a load of solar juice. <laughs> umbrella bottoms. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's like, like, you pull a lever, and it's like, and they, they're, they're bums for a load of solar energy, solar and then it wind. just shoots off. Yeah, solar wind, solar farts. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry I said that everyone would feel better about that now. <laughs> doing, doing big, faster than light poots. <laughs> Your knowledge of science uh, is unsurpassed. Okay. A lot of people would say that would say what I just said there wasn't science, but I call them doubters. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Ask me. Spent way too long asks. This is from Reddit. Well, it's not really a question. It's not even really a sentence. It's it's weak points as DM. So I'm going to rephrase that into a question, which are, as a DM, what are your weak points? Uh, voices. Voice. You don't like doing a voice, I do don't you? like doing voices. I can't... I, I, I don't know why. I listened into a game you were doing. You did You did loads of voices. I do some voices, but they're not... You had, you, you, you had Imperious voice. You had... Um, you had uh, just... I, I'll note that... I will say most any female NPC or any or any NPC that that, that we want to be basically normal and well liked by people, we just give our own voice. Yep. And 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 you also did, which I really liked, some people who were turning up trying to be magicians. Oh yes. Oh, there. I was wondering if could we do some magic? I, Sorry. I needed a commoner voice. It's like uh, hello. Hello. How's um, how's everything going on down here? <laughs> We found a pamphlet, so we could maybe come and be some sort of singing wizards. We're uh, looking to be look, looking to be talking to the manager, if that's okay. You see, that, that, that there's you doing voices. Plus, you can do Brumbo, although you shouldn't. No, I think like Brumbo was very much flash in the pan for this podcast, and I'm glad he hasn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll miss him, but it he was, was insensitive was, to our younger listeners. Yeah, and also just like for my throat. Yes, doing the Brumbo voice. My weak point as DM is I I will not plan, and also, man, I drink. Yeah, you do. Like I drink, and like I love a drink. I will have a drink, and like it's the thing. Like I don't, I don't think I have a drinking problem per se. In that, generally, if like if I'm on my own, I'll maybe have like a glass of wine or two, and then go to bed or what have you. But if I'm with my mates. Oh, get some lagers in, lads! Beer, 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 and that's absolutely fine if we're just sitting around and chatting. But if I'm the one in charge of making this magical kingdom exist, <laughs> the uh, the quality of the game goes down over time. It's a bit like you know that um, you know that Futurama episode where Fly gets uh, where Fry gets the devil's hands and he plays the hollow flute yeah. and then conjures beautiful images and then at the end he trades them back for his normal hands. He just got this stupid like 
like plasticine picture of Leela that, that he farts out. Yeah. That's how my games go every single time. And <laughs> <laughs> and they start off and like and you can see the players are excited. Oh wow, that's fascinating. Oh what what, what a clever idea. And, and at the end, like I stop rolling dice. And like and like I'm like I'll ask people like I'll be like, Do you want to sneak in? Oh, I guess we listen, don't sneak in, because then we have to roll and you might fail. <laughs> you just get in. Come on, let's get to the fun part of the story. Hop on my knee. Yeah, Tell I mean, Uncle Grant what you want for D and D, Miss. Yeah, I mean that's that is a problem. Yeah, um, and so I think my, that's why I run some of my best games at cons, where they last two hours and I'm not within arm's reach of a bottle. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're but, yeah. right about the fact that one of our weak points is actually that we don't plan at all. Holy shit, we don't plan at all. We hate it. I think which planning, made it really I think challenging to write a little games. Bit is good. Look, okay, like you must you must be like the reed. Not river. like the stone wall. Like the stone wall, when wind and when rain batters the stone wall, it erodes. It falls over. The reed, it flows and bends. And let's not really look much, too much into that metaphor, because reeds are seasonal. <laughs> and stone walls tend to last for longer than six months. And highly affected by both current and um, pesticides in the water. Shit, like birds, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll fuck up a reed. People but, trying to swim underneath the water without being seen. Yeah. <laughs> That's People a trying to breathe reasons. underwater. <laughs> Foxes dressed as Robin the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> um so but 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 reeds are bending and dynamic and flexible. And so I like when you look at the games that we've written and when you look at them, and when you look at the games we've run, so much of so much of our style is just turning up and going. We don't know what's happening. Ask the players, and then sort of react to that and roll forward and say yes and and build. And it means you tend to get quite short campaigns. They don't make a hundred percent sense, but everyone has a fun time. I never, yeah. I've never received any complaints. Wow, no, very few anyway. And <laughs> although some of them did involve gunfire, yeah. Well, you know, um, I won, so I'm not classing that as a complaint. That's fair. I think that some planning might do us good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, um, that's interesting because we've recently started writing adventures. Yeah, God, that's been strange. For, for publication and mm. translating our complete... Blam is adventure. Yeah, into mm. something that somebody else can then comprehend mm. has been an interesting road. I did note that of the three adventures, so we, we've published two adventures and... Um, we're going to publish one next month, I think. None of them have an end. No, no one's no one's called us out on that so far. I think I think like the closest we get to an ending is in Blood and Dust, the fantasy campaign we uh, we wrote was find the two factions that the players that the players have spent most interest uh, the players have given the most interest to and have them try and kill each other. Yeah, and that's your last session. It's like like I think there's this there's this sort of. Um, it, it comes back to like players versus DM again, I think, as well. And like, oh, I won't tell you the riddles. You must solve the riddles mm. through your characters. Well, just tell us what's going on. Come yeah. on, just let us know. But just also, like, but also, it's nice being surprised sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. It's nice having betrayals. It's nice having um, uh... now nah, I lost that sentence. I just, I just went. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a time I enjoyed not knowing information and really couldn't come up with one. <laughs> 
Ah, well. That's the thing, right? People, people write books that are hard to read. Why would they do that? Why would you write books that are hard to read? L- like literature and media should be like a beautiful buffet or a picnic banquet, which you sit down and everything's spread out before you. Oh, how lovely. Oh, have a little bit of scone. Oh, that's nice. Oh, a scotch egg. Oh, just have half. Thank you very much. Oh, some cider. Oh, lovely. How happily. Rather than an increasingly difficult series of, of, of courses, and you have to use the right fork to eat it, else it's poison. But I think one... Th- one thing on the side of the the riddle or puzzle side of things mm. is that as long as you find out the answer, it's satisfying. Well, it's when you don't find out the answer because well, you did I, something and, and, wrong. And just, oh, and, and like the journalist has to tell you. Yes. Yeah. Fuck that. Um, but when but when if you present it as a puzzle and you eventually find out the answer, then mm. that is innately satisfying because that gives you closure mm. on a. On a conundrum. Yeah. So I think that can work, but not really yeah. our style. I, I think I think I also, like, the trick would be to hold multiple ideas in your head at once. And so, like, there's no, like, the thing is, like, the players aren't plotting out their, their, um, their actions game on game. Like, you might get some players who are plotting out their levels... Yeah. Before they before they play, and like, well, okay, you know, different strokes, different folks. But the players just react to what happens, and they have you know a stable of answers they have for any question. I think more more so more so than planning. Well, this is what's going to happen. It's like, well, here's here are some ideas, and any of these could be true, and only when I speak one aloud will it become true. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love this. I'd love for this vampire to betray the party, but if it doesn't come up, it doesn't have to. That sort yeah. of thing. My other weak point is that I keep forgetting character names. Oh, too easy. I like to keep the amount of characters in the game very low. Yeah. Now, not not NPCs, because I name them. If I name something, like, you might have noticed that almost all of my um, all of my NPCs in any game I write have slightly beaten up or fantasied up English names or French names or what have you. Just like, just like a normal name. Yeah. Um, or just like a couple of nouns I've jammed together. <laughs> whereas, whereas there was there was a rogue in my D and D game called Melantha, which is which isn't really an it's a fantasy name, you know. Yeah, and could never remember that. <laughs> could never. I ha- I wrote it down in enormous letters on my initiative sheet so I could remember <laughs> remember what her fucking name was. I just I can't remember fantasy names. It's so hard. They all sound the same. It's one of the benefits to playing on Discord because I have people change their names to their character names. Yeah, that's true. And when yeah, I, you do you do all your gaming on Discord now, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, it's, when it's I a used pretty play decent in, platform for it. When I used to play in person, hmm. um, I had people make little nameplates. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. So that they've got their names in front of them, so I can actually remember their damn names. I've I think like the I think it was. Apocalypse World taught me. Someone definitely taught me is that you try and refer, you try and use the character name as much as possible. Yep. To try and bring people back, so it's not like Jim. What are you doing? It's um, Cracker Jack de Havilland. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what kind of guy do you reckon Cracker Jack de Havilland is? I don't know. Like a game show presenter. I was imagining sort of like a camp Indiana Jones. That could work. Mm. Who's turning it to ask a question? I think it's mine, isn't it? I think it is. No. Yes. No, it's yours. No, I asked you the weakness. You asked, you asked me the Sun Moon one. Soltonin off Reddit asks, I've got a player who's cheating. 
What do? <laughs> I have a I have a strange relationship with cheating. In that so like I don't mind like being a GM is in essence cheating. Yeah. In that you're asked to cheat, you're asked to fudge the rules to make the game more fun. And I think like the first thing that, that every GM learns is like this isn't there isn't an algorithm to make this happen. You have to make judgments based on what you think is exciting. And so that's cool. But there's also the thing, like people will um Do you remember Phil from your Dungeons and Dragons game? Yep. Roll Phil. dice and then very quickly pick it up and announce the result. Yeah, or roll dice and then if it didn't get what he wanted, he wouldn't say anything. And then if it showed 17, he'd say, ah, I'm, ma- ah, I'm making a stealth check. 17. Yep. God, he was a right prick, wasn't he? If you're listening to this, Phil, fuck you. <laughs> I know we, we try and keep it positive on this show, but fuck you, Phil. Oh, it's just, it's so painful when, like, the story's <sighs> going to progress regardless of your role. Yeah, it's all going to happen. It's all going to be interesting. Failure isn't failure. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's... I think, like, that depends on your GM a lot. So, like, if you've got a GM who's being really brutal and is, like, and, 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 and is, like throwing difficult challenges against you, uh, both mechanically and fictively, as it were. And emotionally. Then, and emotionally. And, honest, and in the form of chairs. The, um, like, there's, there's kind of, there's kind of a, an impetus to be like, well, you know what? I've spent, I've spent hours making this character. I've, um... I've got uh, I've, I've been playing them for six months, say. I've got a load of interesting plots on the go. I'm really enjoying this campaign, and I just got one-shotted by a goblin who got lucky. Yeah. So how about I have one more hit point? I, and, and that's the thing. Like That's kind of what the DM's there for, but if the players have that authority, then it starts to break down. And so I think that, like, oh, actually, I had one more hit point? That isn't, that isn't the worst thing that can happen. No. Um, but... I think rolling the dice and then cheating, or like like rolling and then quickly picking it up and announcing your rolls, I'll piss off. Yeah, and like ro- cheating on attack rolls. Yeah. You're going to kill them. You're the heroes. Yeah. You're supposed to kill them. That's why they're there. <laughs> they're literally <laughs> not there for any axe. other reason than to die. <laughs> Those poor buggers. Like, why are you cheating the roll? Nobody cares. Well, that's the thing, and also like 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 people viewing it as a means of of winning and losing. Yeah, people viewing it as, as like, oh, I'm I, like I'm I'm gonna because I mean like role playing is at its heart a series of challenges which you must overcome. So even though you can't win and lose at Dungeons and Dragons, you can still win and lose at individual fights. Yeah. Although, when was the last time you saw players lose a fight? Very rarely. Right. I don't. I don't think it really happens. No, I mean, I mean it, it must be possible, but the odds are so monumentally slim. Yeah, I mean that's I why like, there's two chapters or whatever devoted to character creation, and a small mm. stat block for the monster. Yeah, for sure, because the monster's disposable. A monster is just a series of hit points to make your life slightly more difficult. Yeah, it's essentially like it's... a tall fence. It's just something in the way. <laughs> it's a fence with eyes on. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure they had as a monster at some point. I would not be surprised. They had everything else in the monster manual. Do you reckon they called it a fencer? I don't, considering they called a, um, a stalactite a roper. 
I have well, no that, idea. That, that, had, that had ropey tentacles, didn't it? Yeah, so did a lot of things. So did Grells. They didn't call them yeah. beak brains. Uh, that would have been... Bird brain would have been better, wouldn't it? It would have been. I quite like the grill. No eyes, just a beak, a brain, the size of a coffee table, and a load of paralysing tentacles. Yep. All it wants to do is hug you and then eat you. It's it's not malicious or anything. No, not especially. It's like like, like bears aren't malicious. Yeah. It's just a great. just got a beak the size of your thigh. Which is can an issue. Talk? Can we talk real quick about octopuses? Yes, we can. <sighs> right? Fitting through those tiny little gaps. I just... Squid are at least stupid. Yeah. Squid almost... Squid makes sense to me. Like, basically, you've got a long, fleshy tube, which has a kind of a jet engine in it, but for water rather than air. They have ink, which lets them cloud up the water to get away. Pretty cool. Like that. And they've got tentacles, but the tentacles come up behind them, and it's like, well, they're just sort of present, you know? Yeah. They're, they're stabilising fins, basically. Yeah. Giant squid. Monsters. I understand that. Octopuses. People seem to like them. Right? These are things that they're, can open locks. They're nearly... I can't open locks. They're nearly smarter than us. Yeah. And they've got... They're made out of very soft... I'm, you, I'm, I'm going to see if you can hear the inverted commas. Bodies. Mm-hmm. Seven arms, legs, a penis disguised as an arm or leg, <laughs> or I guess like if like if if if, if it's an octopus without a penis, just a spare leg, and a beak. Why do they have the beak? To crunch open crustaceans. Can they eat nice soft fish? <laughs> no, like, no, they, they they go after armored targets. I can't think of a single thing the octopus would have in there that would make me happy. No. Maybe just like a hand giving a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) A pair of cool sunglasses. (laughs) Instead of mouth. (laughs) Yes, then it can't eat me. A fiver. (laughs) An ice cream sundae. Wait, 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 wait. A pearl. That works. If they could have a sort of pearl they made there, that would work for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then maybe they'd be hunted to extinction for that pearl. That's true. Yeah, like I do. I look. I like the way they can change color. That's rad. That's I don't cool. like the way they can walk. That, they don't need to. Have you seen Stop the way they walking. like walk along the ocean floor? Yeah, I like, have, they, yeah. They bunch up like a load of begonias and then just twiddle their little feet. <laughs> Why I'll sink to the bottom and walk to shore? No, <laughs> stop it. Beaks, man. That's for birds. How'd they get them? <laughs> Stole them. <laughs> just pluck them off. Octopuses don't have them to start with. It's like hermit crabs. It's like when Daffy Duck gets shot and his beak slides to the side. They startled (laughs) enough birds and stole their beaks. (laughs) Okay, actually, you know what? I thought of another fun thing that I'd like to have underneath an octopus. Toucan beak. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? Although, like, that swings both ways. Like, that would be cool. But then, like, a horrid needle proboscis hummingbird beak. Oh, like an ibis beak. That'd be horrible. Yeah. I think well, a needle proboscis um, hummingbird beak would be okay with me because it's kind of small enough. It doesn't seem weird. But it's... Or like, 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 a, like a chaffinch beak. <laughs> yeah, like a, chaffinch. a chaffinch beak nobody's scared of. Like, but, but like, especially one of those jolly pink ones you get on some chaffinches. <laughs> yeah, but when you... <laughs> like a puffin. <laughs> I, think, I think toucan beaks are top-notch. Especially seeing like how little of the toucan there is once you once you remove the beak part. Yeah. Why oh, wait, they... wait, 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 wait. 
Oh, go on, go on. How did toucans become associated with Guinness, by the way? Um, I can't think of a funny answer. Like, that doesn't seem like a great Irish bird. Like, it's not Irish. I think that's before Guinness were doing the whole Irish thing. Right. Because I think most Guinness, is, like, is it even made in Ireland? Yeah. Does it have to be? Anyway, um, like, like, like the, 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 the thing of like Guinness as Irish is a is a fairly like recent marketing campaign. I think before it was like Guinness as nice. That was the That's that, that was untrue. Was, it's all right. I love Guinness, but like I know it's not nice. It's not. We used to drink quite a lot of it in uni, didn't we? I love Guinness. I will drink it quite happily. It's it's thick as far as beers go. Yeah, and I like that. and like put it this way. I think at almost any time of the day someone could bring me a pint of Guinness, I wouldn't go, ah, no thanks. Ah, no, I'm alright. I don't, I don't fancy that. Yeah. You know? It's, it, it's, it always goes down smooth. I, and I like my drinks to be like a form of custard. Mm, a sort of black custard? Yeah. A black alcoholic custard. <laughs> I, would, I would totally be down for that. So I think, I think the puffin was just a fun, colourful bird they had. Tootin. Just... Uh, sorry, yes, the toucan. Uh, was <laughs> the puffin a fun is a very col- different marketing scheme. <laughs> it's not too far off. No, but they've got colourful puffins beaks. as idiot birds. I don't think toucans are exactly on fucking Mensa, mate. No, but like they're exotic. Whereas a puffin. Oh right, yeah, yeah, they're foreign, right? I get you. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, Whereas a puffin puffins, just sort of yeah. falls off stuff. They have, yeah, they they hang. Well, they have they have special eggs that don't roll. Yeah. I know that much, but also they. Um, here's a fun fact I learned from a uh, a McElroy podcast. They uh, they fucking rabbit holes. What? <laughs> they fucking rabbit holes. So they um so like so like puffins because because they're a cliffside bird. They live in little like caves, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so like and so like they have special eggs which don't roll much. So the eggs won't roll out. That's cool, whatever. But if they want to try and like like. Sometimes they'll live in in like in like disused rabbit warrens because they're kind of similar to the to, to the to, to the holes that puffins have. But sometimes they'll just leave their nest and just find a rabbit warren on this sort of cliff up in Scotland. Just fuck in there. <laughs> just go real nasty in there. Like around the back of the bus stop. Yeah, pretty much. Just like just like in the um in in the in the gents' toilets. In the it's alley just, behind the club. I just feel. Perhaps it's perhaps it's safe for them because rabbits are safe generally in their burrows, and puffins want to be like, well, listen, I want I, I, I want to get away from the hum. I want, baby, I want to sweep you away, whisk you away from the humdrum life of the cliff, where uh, we have mated for life, which is another thing they do. They quite often mate for life, um, but they uh, they just get into rabbit holes and kind of kind of kind of like kind of like a, like a mucky weekend, I guess, away. No, um, I want the rabbits to watch. <laughs> Daddy, what's it? Don't look. <laughs> I was about to make honking noises, but I have no idea what noise puffins make. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> In weirdly human voices, <laughs> like a parrot. <laughs> so one of my one one of the things that makes me happy is. Yeah. Uh, watching videos of parrots swearing. Oh yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, if ever I need a little pick me up, I will just Google <laughs> parrot swearing. Yeah. Um, and just hearing the obscenities come out of these parrots' mouths, and the way the way they string them together into proper sentences. Yeah. Is fascinating. You consider to me. getting a parrot? 
Sorry, did you say, have I ever considered being a parrot? Getting a parrot. Okay, because no. But you, can get, well, you can get one and teach it to swear. No, I, I don't like caged birds. Well, no, that's fair. I mean, you'd let it out during the day, I guess. Yeah, I just, like, I don't mind, like, locking up my dog. But for some well, reason, yeah, caged birds like, seems odd. It seems a bit weird because, like, because, like, they've got the whole sky they can go live in. Yeah, and like, and like, your dog seems pretty chill. Yeah, but dogs are dogs are pack animals. Yeah, and birds generally aren't. Yeah, they 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 have flocks, but they just That's sort of thing. cluster rather than my, that pack mentality. My my partner is very keen on getting a cockatoo. Uh, that's like a screaming bastard you yeah. trap in your house. <laughs> yeah, that's like... well. You're, what you're doing there is you're befriending an air raid siren. Well, it's like it's like so. Not only um, does she want a cockatoo, but then you can't buy a cockatoo because that seems morally wrong. So you have to get a rescue cockatoo. So you're going to get a fucked up cockatoo, yeah, from cockatoo psychologically possible. damaged bird. <laughs> and like the sane ones are dicks. Yeah, it's not like. Something that cockatoos do for fun is fuck up trees or yeah. cars, or, just anything that's. Or well, dogs. Sometimes, well, some, well, that's the thing. Like trees, cars, anything largely immobile that's in its that, that that they find. And they used to think that, like, so they'll dig up trees by the roots and quite large trees. They used to think that oh, they're sort of they're sharpening their beaks or they're sort of it's kind of a dental thing. No, no, no. They just it's just kind of a social thing for them, just ruining a tree. Yeah, it's like gangs of chads just ruining a bus stop. They're very Australian. I'll give them that. Yeah, they have they have a definite Australian between them and kookaburras who steal who steal sausages off barbecues and cackle. Yeah. Um, whose question is it? Uh, yours. Yes, I asked Nine. the one about cheating. Yes, yes, yes. If you got to design the sixth, uh, Samuel asks. If you got to design the sixth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, what would you do differently than in past editions? What would I do differently? I like mm. a lot of the stuff that D and D does. As I quite like, like Fifth. Yeah, as it's all right. An introduction to role playing. Yeah, it's really good because it has rules for a lot of edge cases. Yeah. Whereas if you start going into the sort of games we make, into the story game area, yeah, that's that can be very daunting. <laughs> There's no right answer in a yeah. lot of games. Whereas. In, like in our games, it's very rare you go. Hang on, I'll just check the rule book. Yeah, yeah, whereas, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you can do that with D and D. You're like, yeah. How does this work? I'll have a look. Oh, that doesn't actually say anything. We'll make it up. Yeah, I I think so. I I played a, a weekend long game of the Black Hack recently with my nephews, and I had a great deal of fun with that because you can basically fit the Black Hack onto a cigarette paper. It's an incredibly short game. It still feels like D and D, but it just cuts out so much of the stuff you have to know. Like, so the one. Okay, here's the thing I'd change in D and D: stats. Yeah. Now, okay, like like the six stats are fine: strength, dexterity, charisma, classics. We all know them and love them. They're iconic. But, but the fact that the number that your stat is doesn't actually come up in game very often. No, like the plus modifier does. The fact that that you have a derived stat in the so it's like there's some sort of algorithm to do it, but I forget what it is. And generally, it's just if it's ten to eleven plus it plus zero, twelve to thirteen plus one, fourteen to fifteen plus two, and you just have to know that. Yeah. And 
Um, I'm on. I'm on the second. Uh, so I, I just I actually uh, closed my second campaign of D and D with with a group of uh, new players, but they could not grasp that. They could not understand what to add, what, what what to put in there. And I think like that that is that is a challenge, which for a lot of new players is like, oh, I'm supposed to add. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, and I just there's so things, much guff to add to your roles. One of the things that hit me was why it was never a roll under system. Like, what's the thing? It's um, black hack is. Yeah, see that makes that's what I mean. Well, that makes sense. Like you just roll under your stat. Yeah, and uh, and and like and if if an enemy's um, better than you, I think it's it's either you have negatives to your stat, or you roll a disadvantage. I forget the rule, but it's pretty straightforward. And it's just that that has to stay there to be Dungeons and Dragons, and it doesn't flow. Yeah, like I think there's it a was... fundamental lack of flow. I think it was when they released 3.5 they actually released mm. like their design document. Okay. Like the the bible for how to make D&D. Mm. Um and the things they had to keep were things like the stats had to stay the same. Yeah. Um they wanted everything to have a unified mechanic so roll mm-hmm. dice plus a number hit target number. Yeah. And and like and not like I think so so for second ed you had like um percentile dice as well. Yeah, you had um Rogues have a fifty percent chance of unlocking a lock. Yeah, and but you also had percentile strength. Oh shit! How did that work? <laughs> can can you explain interestingly? No. Okay, don't worry. Carry on. Um, and like Thaco to hit armor class mm. zero. Yeah, was such an ass backwards concept. Like, yeah. I've got a plus one shield. What does that do? It takes one from your armor class. Is that good? Yes. <laughs> Somehow, yes. My armor class is lower. Brilliant. Fantastic. So is, was armor class zero like armor class 20 is now? Yeah, essentially. So yes. you, what you need to do is, on on your, your d20 roll, mm-hmm. you had, say you needed a, a 12 to hit armor class zero. Right. So then if their armor class was zero, if you rolled 12 or above, you hit. Brilliant. Um, but also, that goes like your, like your base attack bonus. Yeah. Go on. Um, and then if you had... Oh, God, I'm trying to see if I can remember so, this right. It's so, been so long. So, 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 it's like they had an AC of four, which means I'd need to roll... Four higher or than higher. your base attack bonus, than your so, so, Thaco to hit. Be, be lower, right? Well, I, I'd hit them on an eight-up if they had armor class four, because it's zero... No, you'd hit four. them on uh, a 16. So is armor class zero not really good? Armor class zero is amazing. Armor class minus five is even better. Okay. So I'm okay. I'm, look, this is this. If, if if this is confusing to me, it's going to be terrible for the listener. Let's move on. Yeah, I think I did it the that, wrong way around. I can't remember yeah, now. Yes. The point is, Thaco was, was this, rubbish. Yeah, there, there was an awful lot of maths, which must have made sense to one guy. Yeah. And everything just really got out of hand. And the best part of that is, not only did you have to deal with Thaco, but you had like. Um, uh, a fighter would have three attacks every two rounds. Sorry, what? So you'd have three every two, which means that in one round you'd attack once, the next round you'd attack twice, next round you'd attack once, oh, next round you'd I attack see. twice. Right, okay, that's not so bad. I mean, it's a lot of bookkeeping. It's a lot of bookkeeping. Yeah, rather than just twice every round. Yeah. And then you got dual wielding. Yeah. And yeah, actually. I think honestly, if if they got me to write Sixth um, Edition Dungeons and Dragons, they would find something suspicious. Probably, probably call it Blurteenth Age. 
<laughs> it would be 13 third with the serial numbers filed off and like bees written in front of any sort of copyrighted names. <laughs> Just a drawing of a bee. Yeah, well, but I mean, 3.5 think... is dying now. It's Good. finally dying with the, well, the new well, edition of yeah, Pathfinder. Yeah, Pathfinder's got action points and stuff, hasn't it? Yeah. Hey, hey, hot new role-playing news. We, we, we know you come to Hearty Dose Friends for all of your hot uh, role-playing news and goss. There's a new Pathfinder coming out. Yeah. Finally. And I think I might actually pick up a copy. Well, I mean, it's going to be heavy. Good luck. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. A, little, a little Pathfinder joke there. A little Pathfinder. But I, I like, I like, I always like Pathfinder because I, I fell in love with three point five. Yes, that was that was kind of your, like, the, like where you found yourself. I think. Yeah. DM, right. Um, and so I've got a soft spot in my heart for it. I like. I'll probably never play it. No. But I want to support it, and I want to see what they're doing with it. And act, action there's, points intrigues me. There's something quietly satisfying about optimization. Oh, I love it. In a way which I'm not quite good enough at it to do it, but being able to like like to play Dungeons and Dragons theoretically. Yeah. It's a, it's a mental quite exercise like doing cryptic crossword. Yeah, like how can I get the most damage with these rules in place? How yeah. can, like how can I get the biggest numbers? How can right. I If I was a salamander, damage? I could shape change into this and then get four yeah. more damage than any other way. <laughs> love it. And there's there's a there's a sort of puzzle, almost like an ARG element, to like people finding these things and digging out little bits and cross referencing and turning into giant dragons and shit. And that's kind of fun. And not for, not for me, but it's kind of fun. Um, the community that comes out of that is really interesting because it's very collaborative. Mm. Yeah, because somebody sure. will find one loophole and then they'll go, "Oh, that's amazing! Now I now this build yeah. I've got works." I think that, I think there was one where there was a halfling who turned into a mosquito but kept their rogue sneak attack damage. Right. Which means that so like like they bit you and then you took about 50d6 in sneak attack damage. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one I think it was like um there's like when you when you inflict no damage with an attack you heal 3 points. And so that was basically someone built entirely around hitting someone. Ten times around and doing no damage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's, there's 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 so many fun things which, which which is which is like well like this is this isn't a viable character per se like this isn't going to be a fun thing to play but as a mathematical exercise this is really fun to look at and like like is, isn't this a daft thing to look at? Yeah, and it's, it's a bit like the modding community I think for PC games. Yeah, for sure actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's what we do. Also, um, let's say you're allowed to cut one race and one class. What would they be? Monk. Yeah, fuck monks. Have Dragonborn already cut? I hope so. They're not like they're not core anymore. I don't think. Warforged. <laughs> fuck Warforged. Bleep bloop. Bleep bloop. I no. don't have feelings. No, don't like it. Don't like. I like. I like, I like the story of the Warforged made out of a door called Rude. <laughs> he was quite good. Yeah, it's just I don't mind Dragonborn, honestly. Um, I think I think, I, I think that they, it's they an seem interesting a bit... story beat for a campaign, especially if you're doing it about dragons. Yeah. Um, but Warforged don't feel like they fit. The thing about Warforged mm-hmm. is, <clears throat> I don't like them as characters. Like I think that they that a lot of the problems which D and D characters faced, Warforged don't really like pain cold um hunger 
Needing to breathe. Needing to breathe, drowning, that sort of thing. A lot, a lot of the poison gases, you know. A lot of the traditional things which D&D characters are scared of, um, Warforged simply don't do, so it's almost like you have to describe the things in a different way for them. It's like it's, it's, it's like, like uh, you emerge from the dungeon and feel the uh, feel the soft feel the soft breeze blow across your skin. Sorry. Yeah. Also, um, Clanks, you emerge from the dungeon and feel fuck all because you're a toaster. But However, there is a rust monster. But yes. However, point is, I think as far as Eberron goes, in a in, in a look at industrializing the Dungeons mm. and Dragons world, they're kind of an interesting point of view from that. Cause it's like, well, we're going to make people, and then actually, those are people. Yep. And that's kind of a fun thing to explore. I don't think that it's ever done properly. It's a difficult thing I, to do. Yeah, for sure. But I think there's something. I think there's there's something interesting about that. But yeah, I'd come. Like it's just like they're too they're too weird. Yeah. Oh wait, uh, gnomes. I think gnomes Fuck have gnomes. their place, but I don't care about them. Oh, actually, actually, well, I'm trying to think whether I like halflings less or gnomes less. I think it's halflings less because they're less interesting. Kenda. They're not in the game anymore. We've lost them, man. It's okay. They're still around. Kenda can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> People still remember them. I want the memory gone. <laughs> Kill old Kenda. I want. I want to unperson Kenda. Yeah. I want to get Stalin's lads in with their <laughs> uh, with their airbrushing. Yeah. Start taking them out of photos. Ugh. We've got a last question here. Okay. Tierpen asks, "What would the stats and abilities be for the artifact Chekhov's gun?" Uh, I think I'd make it an intelligent weapon. Oh, go on. Um, a, a gun that's craving to be used. <laughs> I would have it as uh, it does zero damage and will not fire unless you referenced it two games beforehand. <laughs> you can only use it in flashbacks. Well, here's the thing. You have to mention it two games beforehand, but then you have to fire it two games after. Regardless of whether you want to or not. Yes, and, and, and it will do something. It won't, like, miss... It will definitely have an effect on the plot, but you have to say, "I want this bullet to have an effect on the plot." Two games before that, as you effectively put the gun, as you direct the camera towards the gun. Yeah, I like that actually. I think that's yeah. an interesting thing, and like you can use that with more magic items if you really want to. That kind of long setup. I'd like I'd like more metagaming to be to be around magic items, like because because they break the rules of 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 the world. Yeah, like one of the things which kind of bores me about magic items is they're not they're not unpredictable yes they, they, they just do the damn a thing. wand of fireballs does one thing mm. what I want is a wand which has um, it has the soul of a phoenix jammed in there by some dodgy wand maker and so it has fire powers <laughs> question mark and, and maybe rebirth it has it has the keyword phoenix and then, and then, how good I am at magic lets me lets me avoid the damages yeah. associated with Phoenix magic. That'd be fun. Yeah, I like that, and I like magic items to be interesting at a part of the world. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, rather than a commodity. Mm. So things like a Chekhov's gun weapon mm. really fits with certain. Certain campaigns, especially if they're they're of a literary bent, I think it could be a fun weapon in Mage as well, like my Mage of the Ascension. Yep, like, or I mean, like, even like Bookhounds of London. Yeah, ah, yeah, that would work, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be really That'd be interesting. interesting. 
Um, so like, um, just talking about talking about magic items. It was it's been interesting because I've been because we've been writing uh, adventures for Spire. I've been rereading it and going through and trying to get myself brushed up on the lore and stuff. We don't really have any magic weapons in it. No, there's there's only one person really that makes them. Yeah, and even then, they're just possibly really good knives, yeah. which is the traditional meaning of the word magic weapon, the phrase magic weapon. But like, we definitely have magic, and we have like magic batteries. And we have magic artifacts, like there's a canal that flows in an eternal circle. And there's stuff, it's, it's more, I think it's more like magic as technology, but we yeah. don't have magic swords. No, because what does a sword do? It stabs someone. Right? Well, it, sorry, it lets you stab someone. lets you stab someone, lets you kill someone. Mm-hmm. What does a magic mm-hmm. sword do? Uh, it lets you do it better. How? It's sharper and more. It's lighter, so it's easier to use. Um, it maybe it, it seeks hearts. I mean, sharper doesn't really make a lot of sense. That just leaves a cleaner wound. Well, if, if it's sharp enough to knock through armor, yeah, that's that's different. Yeah, um, like if you stab a, a side of beef with a with a sword with a magic sword, how is the magic one doing more damage? Because uh, it also does fire damage, maybe. Yeah, that I understand yeah. as well. But I'm talking plus one sword. I think that, that's, that's an interesting point because it comes down to like, um, like I can understand masterwork. Yep, but excellently like, balanced, uh, easier to yeah, use. Yeah, perfect. And, and and so like I think it comes down to the abstraction in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and man, we we got to stop bragging on Dungeons and Dragons this podcast. We should stress we both really like almost all of the editions. Yeah, the thing is, uh, as as we've talked about, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't really play well with our mindsets no no i I think i think that's the problem um it's not it's not in any way a bad game no Um, i have enjoyed every single edition including fourth of D &D. it just isn't woolly enough for our tastes yeah there's not enough room to play it has that it has the abstraction of hit points where you're looking at well i've got 35 hit points which means i can take i'll be talking about um about 10 arrows yeah which doesn't make a lick of sense. No one can get shot with ten arrows and and like and, and be fine. Like yeah. they might survive, but they're not like super good at the end of that. And so cool. All right, that's fine. But then we've I think we we've managed to work out that abstraction to be like, oh well, it's a near miss. Oh well, you take it on your shield and you're winded. Or it nicks you. That sort of thing, you know. Or uh, you roll into cover and you're out of breath. You can you can get hit point loss without having actual physical harm, actual like physical body envelope piercing, as it were. But magic items, which are just doing like a plus five sword, is that just a really good sword? Yeah. Like, how does that function? And that yeah. that's not interesting to me. Whereas no. a sword that leaves burning, yeah, that is interesting because it does something. That's why it's, Chekhov's it, gun is interesting because yeah. it's it's a normal gun, but for all, for all intents and purposes. However. It changes the plot when it goes off two games later. Yeah, I'd like also like um, John Woo's gun, which uh, which just summons doves. Yeah, and uh, and it, it it becomes like um, I think John Woo's gun it turns any penalties into um, bonuses. Yeah, you see that's nice. Oh, oh, actually, that's quite good fun because like you'd have to make the shot as difficult as possible. Exactly, so it's but, more cinematic. But but possible. Yeah, because if it's not possible, then then it's not a penalty. It's just like, oh, it doesn't work. So you, so you have to jump out of a moving cart and close your eyes and fire backwards because there's a chance it might hit the guy. At which point you're almost guaranteed to hit. Well, it's it's blackjack, isn't it? You're trying to get as close to twenty one, but not over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, oh, that's kind of fun. I like that. Okay, listen. I think we're going to wrap up. 
I think that's probably for the best. I don't know why I said listen, because I hope you've been listening this whole time. What? Hmm? Hmm? Thank you for listening to episode 55, the holiday edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to... The return, yeah, yeah, we're back, baby. Oh, yeah. And it feels so good. It does feel nice, actually. To yeah, it, it, feel, it, feel, it feels good. Um, we, uh, we love you. And if you love us in a money sort of way, then you can give us some money. You can go to patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends. Give us a bit of cash. We don't, we don't charge per month. We charge per episode, which means that um, the real cheap month for you listeners yep. <laughs> over the last uh, March was basically free because um, we didn't release any any episodes in it. But um, if you if you like what if you like what you're hearing, please come along and um, chip in a few doors. You can come along and hang out in the Discord. It's really got a really lovely community there. You can also follow us on Twitter at HDF Podcast, uh, where it's just like it's not really a great medium for podcast Twitter, honestly. No. It's okay. Like like look, we look at the account. If you say something, we'll chat or we'll favorite it at least. There's that. <laughs> and, <laughs> And finally, you can send us an email at heartydosefriends at gmail.com if you have any big, beefy questions you'd like us to tackle. Yeah, I think that's, for pa- that's for your paragraphs. Yeah, for your paragraphs. Again, like the, short, the shorter the question, and the more that it gets... The, the, like, the, the, just for example, the Chekhov's gun question, top-notch, because it's short, and it lets me talk about theatrics. <laughs> it, let, it lets me seem intelligent. And John Woo movies. And John Woo movies, which is theatrics, kind of. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We want. I want to climb with you to the top of a mountain. I want to climb with you to the top of Wandsfell and sit down on the scree at the top and look down over the bay and down over Ambleside and down and see the boats and the yachts scudding away, going out towards the sea. And I don't have a joke at the end of this. <laughs> and I want to pick you up in a car afterwards because fuck walking back down. Yes, Chris, um, uh, like, uh, we're, we're sitting there eating our sandwiches, uh, chewing all our candle mint cake, and you just hear, and Chris is somehow driven up the side of one's film <laughs> in his smart car. Yo, yeah. God, we got some fucking looks in your smart car, mate. We, we're quite big boys, Grant, and my smart car is very small. Chris drove us to the place in Kent, and he drove us in his smart car, and we got a lot of looks. I feel I should defend the smart car here in that it is an excellent car for the larger gent. Like it's it's surprisingly roomy as long as you only need two people to sit in it. Yeah, in that it has and two not, seats. And, and you're not big on trunk space. Hey, we've it's got two all the seats. holiday gear in. It's two seats that someone put wheels on. Yeah. And it's you know what? It served us pretty well. Some of the so, some of the suspension could have done with being there. Yep, that could have existed. That would have been nice, but it was. You know what? We like. I think actually, it had more petrol in it at the end than we did at the start. Yeah, <laughs> it's fairly economic. It's one hundred and ten percent efficient. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Get in Chris's smart car and drive on the side of a mountain, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.